baptism. Um, some may say, well, why do you speak on baptism when the vast majority of the people have been baptized? Well, I'll tell you why, because too often the vast majority of us don't know what happened. We were baptized, but we don't know what it all has meant and the change in our life. And so I want to share with you um, out of the scriptures, and I'm, I'm trying to remember how I started this. First Peter, I think, is where I started, right? Chapter 3. I want to read a few passages of scripture here, starting at verse number 18. I'm reading from the King James Version today simply because I know it the best. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Paul talked about this in Sunday school. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us unto God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection or through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to teach today and and as most of you know, I may get a little excited even when I'm teaching, but I want to teach on this, uh, saved unto life. Saved unto life. Now, I have been a licensed preacher since 1988. Now, now. There's, there's some others here that have been licensed a lot longer than me to preach. But uh, I, I grew up in, a, in an area, in a church setting where the concept of salvation was about having your ticket punched to heaven. And, and some of this I've shared with a lot of you before, but I'm going to come at it in a little different angle in just a couple of minutes. But see, heaven isn't where our salvation is. Heaven is where we end up because we've been saved. Okay, heaven is our destination, not our destiny. I've said that several times. And for too long, I believe that churches have been so preoccupied, and I shouldn't say just churches, but I think people in general, are too preoccupied with how to get to heaven. Okay, that's like saying, how do I get, to 114 Lane Northwest, and that's my ultimate destination. That's my home, by the way. And, and, and how can I get to that house instead of how do I get to my wife? Do you see the difference? We have put such a value on the home that we have devalued without realizing it, the value of the relationship within the home. And in a church setting, in a spiritual or a religious setting, we have put such a uh, priority on the home, the final resting place, heaven, if you will, that we have oftentimes devalued without even realizing we've done it, the concept of our relationship with him. 
So what I want to say today is Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, okay? So when we are uh, saved, what we're saved into is life. We're saved into a relationship with Jesus. Our salvation isn't whether or not everything is ready to go to heaven. Our, our salvation is, is how I'm starting a relationship with the master, okay? And baptism, and here's where we differ, and I'm going to share a bunch of scriptures with other, some other churches, is I believe that baptism is the component whereby we really start our new life. Now, I'm not talking about heaven or hell, okay? Because I don't want to answer any hypotheticals after church. Well, pastor, what if this person just believes but was never baptized? Can they go to heaven? Yeah, probably. That's between them and Jesus, it's not my job to figure out what exactly you need to do to get to heaven. It's my job to lead you to Jesus. Okay? But there's nowhere else in Scripture that is so clear to me that when you go down in the waters of baptism, when you come up out of the waters of baptism, you are stepping into new life. And I'm going to share some Scriptures here. But uh, the first thing here in First in Peter, Peter is likening the flood <laughs> Now, I just got to tell you, the world was flooded. It was covered. And it's a figure that uh, baptism doth also now save us. What does that mean, also, also now save us? Does that mean it punches our ticket to heaven? No, it is the issue that gives us life. And what I find interesting here, and, and I never really understood this for a long time, and and I've heard all kinds of explanations, but let me just give you Tim Sanders' version. And, and whether you agree with me or not, you can be wrong. I don't know. Um, I'm just teasing. But that parenthetical phrase in that scripture, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but of the answer of a good conscience toward God. Now, that word answer, first of all, doesn't mean a response if you look up the word answer in the Greek in which this was written, uh, what you're really finding is a, um, a pursuant, uh, something that you go after, something that you look into, something that you search out. It's almost the opposite of what answer is to us today. It, it's the asking and the seeking side of things. Okay? And, and what I like about this is baptism isn't just getting rid of the junk, it's bringing in something brand new. You see what I'm saying? It's easy for us to understand that when you repent or when you come to the Lord, there is a death that happens, a death unto me and a searching unto him. But when we're, but we can still come to the Lord and even repent and, and say, Lord, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to go this direction towards you instead of the direction I wanted to. But you're still a dead person. Because the only thing that has happened is you have crucified your flesh. You have not risen again into new life. But the Bible says, and we're going to read it here in a few minutes, that when you go down into the waters of baptism, you're buried within, in baptism, that like as Christ was raised from the dead, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. As you come up out of the water, you get something new. The old is gone, but you don't come up the same. You come up with something new knew a good conscience toward God through the resurrection. When you come up out of the waters of, of baptism, it's like God is breathing in resurrection power. 
Okay? So taking that and turning over to Galatians chapter 3, I'm going to kind of bounce around a little bit. And like I said, this is going to be more of a teaching, but I hope somebody grabs a hold of this. How many here have been baptized? Okay. See, the vast majority of you have. How many are getting baptized today? I know one, two. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So it's for you three so you can understand what's getting ready to happen. For all the rest of you, this has already happened, and you might as well start living in it instead of living in the old junk. I agree. I just want to read one scripture in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Listen, now, there's nothing magical about the water that's in that tank. It came from the tap. It's Coon Rapids miraculous water. So it's not the, the physical components. It is the spiritual implications that make a difference. And so you can, when you're buried with him, the Bible says here we're baptized into Christ. I'm going to call the name of Jesus over your life as I baptize you. And it's like, and all these analogies are rough, but it, it's, it's like this. Have you ever just had something that, I, I want to say like a wax, where you drop it in and it just kind of coats around it, and when it comes back up, it just stays on top? I'm thinking of Krispy Kreme, actually, right now. Maybe Dunkin' Donuts. You know, it's dropped into that nice, gooey stuff, and then it comes out and it's all over it. Okay, that's what happens when we're baptized, we're baptized into Christ. And when we come up out of the waters, the Bible says we have put him on. Now, I don't know what that does for you, but that lets me know this. That lets me know that the spirits of this world and the spirits from Satan cannot see me for who I am. They see Jesus all around me. I have put on a new spirit. I have put on a new flesh. I have put on a new garment, if you will. It's like I have jumped into a pool of Jesus, and when I came up, all the residue of Jesus has changed my appearance. It's the reason why we don't, we, whenever we baptize somebody, there's always a change in their facial expression. It, it doesn't matter how hard they try. Last time I said this, and the person got in and says, I'm not going to smile just to prove you wrong. And I was right. He couldn't contain it when he came up out of it. Why? Because you have put Jesus on. My friend, if you've been baptized and you have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ, stop worrying about what the enemy's doing and just let Christ, wherever you walk, just let Christ do his thing. Let Jesus do his thing. Don't worry about the enemy. Don't worry about all the junk. You're clothed in Jesus. And where Jesus is, old-time preacher said, anything can happen. Amen. Mark 16, 16. 
He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Listen. Some people say, well, do I have to be baptized to be saved? Yep. Why? Well, the Bible says it. I don't know how clear it could get. He that believeth and is, well, they doesn't say that they'll be damned if they're not baptized. No, because you're never going to get baptized if you don't believe. It's one of those statements, a rhetorical statement. Well, if you don't believe, you're done for anyhow. <laughs> so why even bring up the concept of baptism? Well, Pastor, why, why do I have to be baptized? Because baptism is the symbolic act of burying your old self. So that when you come up out of the waters, did you know that Jesus was baptized? Yeah, the, the Bible says Jesus was baptized. I, I asked the Lord, well, why? You weren't sinful. It's not just the washing away. It's the ushering into. If you read the story of his baptism, he went down in the waters of baptism, and the Bible says when he came up, there descended upon him like a dove. It doesn't say a dove. It says like a dove. And it stayed there. There was a difference on either side of the baptism of Christ. Listen, my friend, there's a difference. If, it, if there's a difference for Jesus, there's a difference for us. When you come up out of the waters of baptism, the Spirit comes on you and it doesn't go away. Let me turn over to John chapter 1. I, I added this so she can't catch it. That's okay. But John chapter 1, I told you I know the King James the best, so it's kind of bouncing around in my brains right now. But I want you to notice this. This is upon... His, the rejection of who he was in verse number 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Well, pastor, the Bible just says all you have to do is believe. Well, you can believe all you want, but all the believing does is give you the power because here it is, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even on them that believe on his name. You are given the power to become when you believe. Now, now please don't walk away from here saying that I'm against this and against that. I'm telling you what I believe the Scripture is trying to tell us. And the, the Scripture is telling me here that as many as received him, that's who he gave power. You can't get power till you get until you receive him. But the power is the power to become to them that believe it. And then verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The only place that I find this happening in Scripture is at our baptism, when we come up out of the waters of baptism. That's when we get new life. That's when the Spirit settles into us. We have the power. Now, see, I believe in believing. I believe in receiving. I believe in Jesus becoming our personal Savior. I believe in Jesus becoming our friend. But every step along the way that is empowering us to become 
his children. And when we're baptized, the Bible says just like Jesus, the Spirit comes on and he remains. We're born from another world. We're born from above, if you will. Now, Paul understood this, so let's turn over to the book of Romans. I'm so thankful to be baptized. It's, it's, baptism is life-changing. Can I tell you what we're getting ready to do here in just a few minutes is it is one of the highlights, if not the highlight, of what I do as a preacher. Why? Because I'm watching spiritual transformation. In the natural, there was nothing more exciting than my two boys being born. Seeing that for the first time, that scream from that, well, I was going to say little, but they weren't real little, but those babies that life that breathes into them. Just the scream that they had of life. And can I tell you, there's nothing greater in the spirit than to watch all of heaven rejoice at the birth of somebody coming up out of the waters. So, so look at this. I, I, I'm actually going to back up a little bit, Elena, into chapter 5. I just like keeping her on her toes back there. She's got it under control. I want to start at verse number 20. Give you the background of chapter 5. Paul is telling us the balance of the offense and the balance of the righteousness that comes into it. And so now in verse 20, he says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, I need to just stop there just for a second. That doesn't mean where more sin is, there's more grace. Okay? What that really means is, is where there's more law, there's more grace. Because more law, the offense comes and, and rises. You see what I'm saying there in that verse? Because the law entered that the offense might abound. In other words, you don't know you're doing wrong until the law tells you you're doing wrong. So the more laws you have, the more rules that you have. Paul talked about that in Sunday school today too. The more rules that you have, the more times you're going to break them. Okay, do you see what I'm saying? And the more times and the more rules that you break them, the more God's grace is right there to help you get over yourself. So verse 21, that sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. By Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? So again, when I baptize you today and when you have been baptized, you were baptized into his death. You were buried with him, the Bible says, in baptism in, an, in verse 4 that we're going to get to here in a second. But you are baptized into his death. Verse number 4, therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death. Now let me just ask you this. Well, pastor, do I have to be baptized? 
Well, do you want to be a dead man walking? All I know is that after four days, Lazarus stunk. Do you want to walk around as a dead person? No, you, you want to be alive. You want to have something brand new. So baptism buries that old man. Now continue in verse 4. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Okay? That like as Christ. Christ didn't stay in his tomb. Now I'm not going to hold you under for three days. There's no way I'm going to do that. It's symbolic, okay? So when I go down, you are matching the three days that Christ was in the tomb and God breathed into Christ and resurrected him from his tomb as he stepped out of the tomb three days later. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So when you're in that water, that dead man is buried, and as you come out, that first breath that you take is not just the breath of the old creature, but it's the newness of the new. It's the newness of Christ. It's the newness of his spirit. It's the, re it's the, it's the revelation of the spirit that descends and stays because the spirit is simply the breath of God through us. Okay? So let's go a little bit further. And this is what I wanted to really get to for some of you that are, have been baptized. Verse number 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Some of us haven't recognized that we were planted. Now, I don't want to be crude, but there is a saying that came out, and I don't know who ever came up with it, but they're pushing up daisies. You ever heard that? I know that's, that's really kind of crude, but it's true. The, let me put it to you in King James. Unless a seed fall into the ground and die, it cannot come up. Your baptism is being planted in death so that when you come back out, you are coming back out in life. Your seed that you are being planted in is that old man, that original creation of God that's in you, and, and you've messed it all up. But when you come out, it is a new sprout, if you will, of a new life. Okay, that, that, that's what the Scripture says. That's, that's not me. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man or our old nature is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. When you die unto him, you're free from it. You don't have to worry about sin. You're dead to it. Okay? But who wants to just be dead? Now, if you be dead with Christ... We believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, in other words, you do the same that Christ did. Reckon or commit to 
you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, when I baptize you in just a few minutes and you come up out of the waters, yes, you died unto sin, but now you're getting a breath of God into your life and you're becoming a brand new creature. And because you're a brand new creature, verse 12, don't let sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Can I tell you something tonight, today, and, and, and then I'll be coming to a close. This baptism that we're getting ready to have it happen, and what's happened to you when you were baptized, is the crossover. It's the boundary between law and grace. It's the thing that changes you from the old to the new. It's the thing that transforms you from being a sinful being to being a holy being, a being of righteousness and glory unto God. And when you cross the line, if you will, and you step to the other side of your death, burial, and resurrection, on that resurrection side, sin does not have dominion over you anymore because the law does not apply to you. Grace now applies to you. So if you're here today and you've been baptized, stop walking with sin and start marching in grace. Start operating in the power and the presence of the one who has raised you from the dead instead of getting tied up and tangled up with that old mindset, that old nature, that old devil, if you will, that's trying to hinder you and become an obstacle to you. That has no dominion over you if you'll keep your eyes on the prize because you're in a new realm, if you will, a new dimension. There's something that happens. There's something that happens when we are baptized. We are saved. Does it make you ready for heaven? I don't know. You know, I wish I could tell. You see, Jesus didn't give us a laundry list of things that needed to be done to get to heaven. I've said this before, but let me just tell you this. There's only one person that ever asked God, asked Jesus, what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. Do you want to know what his answer was? Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. How'd you like me to preach that for a few weeks? That's what Jesus' response was to eternal life. Why was that... Why is it not in the script? Why isn't there just a blueprint? Why isn't there just a to-do list? Why isn't there? Because it's not done through you. It's done through him. And if it's done through him, it means your level of salvation changes based on your relationship to him. And it has nothing to do with heaven. That was graceful. Poor Jordan. Andy just about caught her too. Listen, 
Here's what we get in trouble with. We're so worried about not going to heaven. Stop worrying about heaven and start getting in tune with the Spirit. Start getting a hold of Him. You are living a new life that's not supposed to be after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And Listen, I'm getting ready to speak on the end times, but the first thing that I'm going to tell you about the end times is the end times have nothing to do with the church. We're so panicked about the end times. The church has nothing to do. Zero zip nada. In fact, it's the removal of the church that's going to trigger the end time. So the next person that tells you that revelation is being played out in front of you, I'm going to show it to you. Not if you interpret Scripture literally. There is coming a day when the trumpet's going to sound and those that are already alive in him are going to be caught up in the air with him and so shall we ever be with the Lord and then shall the end be. And, and, and so we get so worked up about the end of the world and the end of and, and this and that. Listen, God's in control. My concern is, do I know him? Do I have a relationship? And can I tell you, you don't have to... How many have lived for God and served God for 50 years in this house? I knew them. Yep. Oh, my. She's reached the status. Can, can I tell you? The expectation that God has for them is different than those that have been serving him for five months. And the doors of heaven are going to have a different expectation upon them than they are upon the person that's just started to find out who Jesus was. Because we're not saved to heaven. We're saved to life. And Jesus says, I am the life. We are saved to Jesus. It's the reason why there's a bunch of ways in Scripture that says we're going to be saved. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Endure to the end that you might know him. Uh, baptized, repentance. Do you see what I'm saying? Believing, receiving. There's all kinds of aspects of quote-unquote self. Why? Because these are all avenues that we grow in in life with him. That's salvation. So today, I'm excited because the people that are getting ready to be baptized are getting ready to start their next step in their salvation, in their relationship with Jesus. It's the reason why, first of all, those of you that are being baptized, if you'll just head that way, they'll help you out there with shirts, and, and we'll be out in just a minute. Uh, Carol right over here is going to help you and, and get you all set up and ready to go. We'll be out in just a minute. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. But here is the reason why I cannot be a proponent of the once saved, always saved doctrine. Because our entrance to heaven 
is not does not have anything to do. I should say it doesn't have anything to do, but it has it, the entrance to heaven is not the key or the principal key of salvation. Okay, it's relationship. Now listen, I could have married my wife. September twelfth, nineteen ninety two, they signed the dotted line. Wayne R. Trout, Dan W. Weisbrot. Actually, it's Marvin. D-dumb. D.M. Weisbrot. Trisha Dyer. Right on our certificate. Makes us legal. But what kind of a marriage relationship would we have? Could I say that I was married? Sure. But if I hadn't talked to her in six months, if I hadn't spent time with her over the last 30 years, if our relationship didn't change and grow and get deeper and have some struggles and have some discussions and have some more discussions and grow here and have another discussion. Here, here's what I'm trying to say. My, my concept of marriage is the growth of our relationship through the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, the low times, the high times. But my relationship with her is what has made my marriage. My marriage to the Lord is not based on where I live. It's based on my relationship with him. And there's going to be good times and there's going to be bad times. And there's going to be those discussions where like it's the flip with the Lord, though, because the men here never win the discussion. But Jesus always does. There's discussions. There's the ups and the downs. There's the ins and outs with our relationship with the Lord. As long as we hold on to his hand and that relationship, it doesn't matter. We're going to mess up. I can't tell you that I've been the perfect husband for 30 years. I've been close. But I'm not perfect, and neither is she. But here's what I want you to know. Our marriage is perfect. Not because it's smooth sailing. Not because there's never any rough seas. Not because we never disagree. Not because we never argue. It's perfect because we're in a relationship. Your relationship with God may never be a perfect marriage, but it can be a perfect relationship. The gives and the takes. The are you, have you ever argued with God? I've argued with God. He, know, he, he knows exactly what I'm thinking and feeling anyhow, so I might as well tell him. God, I'm a little irritated with you right now. He says, oh, Really? I have learned not to go as far as Job, though, because I don't need to hear him li li list the laundry list of all the things that he's done. Where were you when I created space? Where were you when the mountains came into being? Yeah, Lord, we'll bypass that discussion. I'm sorry, you're right, again. You see what I'm saying? That is salvation. Me and Jesus connected together. And when I'm baptized, the Bible tells me that's when I put him on. That's when I walk in newness of life with him. That's when I have the opportunity of a brand new relationship that's pure and holy and righteous. So we might as well live in it. 
Praise God. I invite you to stand.